0: we are live episode 62 business and buckets we got back-to-back episodes release mine today january 7th episode 61 and then tomorrow we'll launch this episode 62 on january 8th making up for the holidays the airport fiasco uh me having a cold and everything else so that we could just get right in for prep for the nfl playoffs we have the college football championship in fcs tomorrow uh, FBS championship on Monday and we're going to start getting deep into the NBA, start talking deeper into college basketball. and we're talking supercross this week as we have uh, the first circuit of the season in LA, in Anaheim, Angel Stadium tomorrow. I can't wait, especially with all the things that have happened across rider changes in Supercross. But let's dive in, get started. And you know we always gotta talk about the one and only sponsor here at Business and Buckets, and that's Fueled Supplements. So the Business and Buckets podcast is proudly sponsored by Fueled Supplements. If you guys are an elite athlete, a busy mom on the go, or just looking for the perfect product to suit your daily wellness needs, Fueled Supplements has you covered. You could choose from their selection of premium sports and wellness formulas backed by over 30 years of market experience. Whether you're trying to run a 4.040 lift 400 pounds, or enjoy life for another 40 years, Fueled Supplements has a variety of products that aligns exactly to your specific goals. Head to fueledsupplements.com and use my promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off all products. Once again, promotion code BUCKETS, B-U-C-K-E-T-S. So we're going to pick up right into the NFL. I had recapped week 16 because I had not recapped that in the last episode. I thought about doing one episode this week that talked about the two weeks, but I didn't want to have a four hour episode for y'all. So I split it in half and we're really going to focus on not only headlines around the league, what we have uh, that had happened last weekend, week 17, what we have in week 18, but kind of talk a little bit about the situations where teams stand, what, what we could potentially forecast and do the fan bases have any excitement heading into the next football season. So first, Tough news for the Bengals, the Bengals winning the AFC North. I had mentioned, you know, wearing my big Ben Roethlisberger jersey, in the Steelers that, you know, here's the Bengals and here's the rest of the AFC North this year. And it was a pretty competitive division, but uh, the Bengals really ran away with it and they have hopes in the playoffs. I think they're, you know, peaking early. I don't think that they're at the best version of themselves. And one of the biggest issues I had with the Bengals was their offensive line. So Riley Reef, their starting tackle, stud tackle out for the year after last week. Uh, so brutal loss for them as they move forward, heading for wild card with, you know, keeping their star quarterback, Joe Burrow, healthy. The Patriots liked what Adrian Phillips was doing, roaming around in the backfield. So they gave him three years, $12.75 million. I think that's well-deserved. Adrian Phillips has been a baller, uh, been a stud, and, uh, you know, helps the solid defensive unit for the Patriots. The Cowboys and all of their uh, stud receivers, you would you would imagine it's kind of hard to give everyone their targets. Well, things got a little bit easier as Michael Gallup's out for the year with the torn ACL. When you look at their hypothetical championship contention run, he definitely does play a huge part. He relieves a lot of the pressure from the other wide receivers, especially with Cooper and CeeDee Lamb being on and off with injuries this year. And speaking of, uh, of Bengals, future rookie of the year in my opinion jamar chase breaks justin jefferson's record for the most yards by a rookie in a season he had 266 yards in one game which is also an nfl rookie record for a rookie we'll talk about that matchup that where he just basically won the game against the chiefs by himself but what a season he has had you know in the offseason there was the issue you know the rumors of the drops i never really you know, consider that too much. I saw already done in LSU. You look at Justin Jefferson, what he had done at LSU and how that easily translated in the NFL. I assumed it would be the same, especially when he has a receiving core that has other good guys around him. T Higgins, right? Clemson alum had played really good football. Um, they have, uh, Oh man, I'm gonna have to Google it. Cause I'm the tip of my tongue. It's going drive me nuts. I like this guy a lot. Uh, Tyler Boyd. They also have Tyler Boyd, right? C.J. Uzoma was supposed to have a, a pretty solid season at the tight end position. Uh, they also drew Sample, so lots of targets for the Bengals. And uh, you would figure rookie Jamar Chase would come in and capitalize on that right out the gate. But do get put up games like this, man. Two sixty six. Like come on. Uh, very well deserved. What a season for you, Mister Jamar Chase. Um. The guy that won my fantasy league had Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. And he was, you know, a, a borderline playoff team. We, we have eight teams out of 12 in the playoffs. And uh, he dominated, you know, the, the past two weeks what these two guys had done. Uh, he, he won gold. So uh, if you're owning the Bengals tandem, I'm sure you're winning gold as well. For the Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They don't have many running backs left. Uh, Rojo's not playing this week. Uh, he's hurt. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn is playing, but had been battling injuries. So the only healthy running back that they had at one point on their roster, the newly acquired ex Pittsburgh Steeler, ex Baltimore Raven, Le'Veon Bell, only healthy running back on the roster. And speaking about ex Steeler drama, Antonio Brown officially out in Tampa Bay, right? He has some issues on the sideline. He takes his clothes off. He's throwing them to the fans. He walks, you know, jogs off the field and AB had came out with a statement, him and his camp, blaming the bucks for making him play through an ankle injury, which was well-documented. He definitely had the ankle injury. He was on IR, but with Evans being out with Godwin out for the year, obviously having AB back would be a huge benefit, but he was, you know, making up all the, well, accusations to Bruce Arians of, of making a slit at the wrist, slit-at-the-throat um, remarks saying that you're done, you know, all, all these different things. And he wanted to clear it up this week. Bruce Arians did in the press conference saying that, um, you know, he never had done anything with the trainers. They said we need to go in. He was mad about who was being targeted, and he didn't want to go in. Typical A.B. drama. Again, though, the black and gold, the black and yellow, mad respect to Tomlin, the front office of the Pittsburgh Steelers for keeping these crazy son-of-a-guns wrapped up they leave the Pittsburgh Steelers organization and there they go AWOL. There's news everywhere, you know, for AB with the Steelers before the, the falling out, you know, there was the Wi-Fi issues, him throwing the the couch out of his Miami suite in the summer, but he, w- w- you know, he wasn't freezing his feet off, complaining about helmets. Wasn't complaining about targets. Uh, wasn't, you know, quitting mid game, but, uh, Ryan Clark had, had, has talked about this and playing with AB, what he expected it to be. And you could tell that all the players, ex-teammates, current teammates in Tampa, want him to seek help. There's been reports that Tampa Bay said he should seek mental help. So I'm imagining that the chapter of Antonio Brown's career is closed. And much like a steroid user in baseball, now there's reasons for voters to not give him a Hall of Fame career. Although I do think he is very worthy of that. You know, when we look at the actual ability of what he was able to provide, if he would have stayed with Pittsburgh, you know, got his, you know, his chickens and his mentals kept up, he potentially could be, you know, breaking Jerry Rice's record. So, uh, hate to see it, hate to see it, but I'm glad he's not in Pittsburgh doing that right now. The Chargers and Raiders flexed a Sunday night football this weekend as Really, that's the only game that has huge playoff implications. There was rumor of the Steelers-Ravens potentially getting flexed into there, but with the Ravens losing, the Steelers having to have the Colts lose to the Jaguars, which isn't very high potential. This is the game. Basically, you win and get in. Unless somehow the Jaguars beat the Colts, these teams could have an agreement come Sunday night. Let's find a way to end in a tie. They'll both make the playoffs. I just do not foresee that happening. So, Chargers Raiders, AFC West battle two teams that, you know, have been in and out of the playoff picture the past few years. Let's see who finishes stronger, who, who wants it. Um, we'll, we'll deep dive talk about that game here here later. Once we get through there, the Jaguars are interviewing Byron Leftwich, Bill O'Brien and Kellen O'More, Kellen Moore from the Cowboys for their future head coach or their head coach opening. They've interviewed a bunch of other guys before. But how can Byron Leftwich, after what he's done in Tampa Bay, not be the guy for the job? You know, he'd played in Jacksonville for many a years. What he's done in Tampa Bay, I think, you know, you you can't give him enough praise. That just seems like the perfect fit to me. Bill O'Brien, although he had kind of a sticky situation with Houston, had that Houston team as a very competitive football team. Uh, What he's done in Alabama and everywhere else he's gone, you know, he he has amazing accolades to, to be able to earn an open job. But for me, Byron Leftwich, it just makes complete sense. Although I do like Kellen Moore. He's just very young. You know, you see this new wave of young head coaches. But the Jaguars, I feel like, need some of that stability, need a guy who has true veteran leadership, has that aura around as a leader that can help pull that squad together. And really at the end of the day, you need a guy for Trevor Lawrence, right? This guy has been most more hyped since anybody since Peyton Manning. And he needs to have someone that could mold his career, give him the right advice and someone that he can look up to. So I'm interested to see what happens here because I've never disliked the Jaguars. Do I care about the Jaguars? Not really. Uh, They've beaten the Steelers in some of their good years. And I kind of pity them for that. But at the end of the day, I want Trevor Lawrence to be successful. He deserves it. He has the talent and that, franchise you know what Shad Khan has in the front office is a dumpster fire and they're not setting him up for success so hopefully he gets to be in a position to be set up for success Matt Nagy no surprise here expected to be fired after the season with the Bears I think we will see a few other head coach openings Vic Fangio of the Broncos uh, potentially the Vikings will have an opening Um, you know there's a few teams that are going to have extra openings but uh, Matt Nagy probably coaching his last game this Sunday against the Vikings. Maybe whoever wins that game keeps our coach. Maybe they both fire their coaches. Who knows? Uh, time will tell the Washington football team. They given us announcement. Supposedly they will no longer be the Washington football team after this year. They're going to get a new name on February 2nd and I hope it's a decent name, but you can't really do much to make it worse than the WFT Washington football team. Uh, before I understood what WFT was, I kept thinking people were t- typo-ing wrong WTF. And then they were talking about football, and I was like, oh, Washington football team. So I'm excited for a new chapter for Washington as, um, you know, they, they don't have a lot of momentum. They haven't done a lot in the past decade, but a new name as a fresh start. It's like 2022. We're all got fresh starts here. And this is hilarious. From the guy that's always breaking news, Mr. Adam Schefter ended up getting an MRI on his knee. He had a torn meniscus. And it came right after the Monday night football game where he was doing the gritty on the sidelines. He was having some fun and you could see right where he tweaked his knee. That's where he thinks it comes from. Uh, how funny is that? He tries to do a dance in the cold, not stretch, not warm up. Come on, chef. Come on, man. That's a come on, man segment right there. And now some drama with the Browns. On paper, the Browns should be the best team in the AFC North. Mm, maybe with the performance of the Bengals, That's debatable. But on paper, both units, top to bottom, should have been the class of the AFC North. But they're not. They're Brown in it, as typical. And that's why I didn't expect them to be as good as a lot of the media did in the offseason. And this is why. With the Browns eliminated for the playoffs, Baker is getting surgery on his injured shoulder. That's not specifically why. That's important. He's not playing this week. That's good. He could recover. You know, the Browns still have to make a decision what they want to do with him. But there was a report that Baker is unhappy with the play calling and may request a trade. He immediately responded on social media. He denies the report, saying that's clickbait. You see these reports, you want to assume that the player is correct. This is so far left. This is crazy. But where there's smoke, there's fire. I'm not saying that, hey, you guys, Baker Mayfield is going to request a trade. You know, who would really want him, anyways, at this point? Because he's going to want a lot of money. But uh, usually when someone reports this, there's some sort of trail paper trail that led him to that report i mean these guys are putting their career on the line they're putting their reputation on the line when breaking news like this i don't think they would just throw it out there for clickbait who knows it's 2022 it's a fucking wild world that we live in but where there's smoke there's fire you know just to give you a good example major oklahoma fan i had a friend two weeks before give me these crazy reports of potentially lincoln uh, Lincoln riley leaving potentially taking usc And the LSU job, and I was like, "Nah, you're you're crazy. We got QBU. Why would he want to leave? There's not much better openings than Oklahoma." And then, sure shit, the next day, you know, there was this random article about this is what's going on. I still didn't believe it. And then, sure shit, the next morning, he's in with USC. So, is this the same situation? I don't know. But where there's smoke, there's fire. As an ex-journalist, I would never dare say something that I didn't have factualized, especially if I have, you know, that big of a a poll or a niche or a, a, a platform to, you know, inform thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. As an Oklahoma fan, I wish well for Baker Mayfield. As a Steeler AFC North fan, you know, I don't really care what happens. Good luck. But, you know, at the end of the day... You know he's an undrafted guy. He's always had his back against the wall. I think this season has nothing to do with what his potential is. You know he's been banged up, beat up all over the place. Um, I think Stefanski, after getting coach of the year, has some has to shoulder some of that blame as well. But the future is going to be interesting there, and this is going to be a wild card team next year for sure. JJ Watt is planning on playing the Cardinals in their first postseason game after basically shredding everything in his body. They had give him, I don't remember exactly what the time frame, but let's say it's a nine-month recovery. And he said, no, I will not accept it. I will turn it around in six. He basically shaved off the time frame in three months. And you can't really doubt J.J. Watt, but J.J. Watt's been through a lot in his career. You know, he, he, He's an amazing player on and off the field. His heritage runs deep, but he's 32 years old. He's always wearing braces. He's always doing these things. You almost have to wonder if... Someone needs to tell JJ just to slow down a bit. I doubt the Cardinals in the position that they're in will we'll do any of that because they would love to have him on that defense. He is going to add to their team, but you got to keep the players safe sometimes. And I'm a little worried that JJ is doing a little bit too much too soon. We'll see what happens um, in that wildcard game. If he wrecks house, then uh, I'll take a seat. But I'm just a little worried and concerned for him because you know the competitor in him, he wants to do everything perfect. And, and if there's an opportunity, he's going to take it. But, uh, yeah, it's just a little nerve-wracking for me. And we talked about John Madden on the last episode. Um, you know, I was playing a little bit of Madden the other day, and I was reminiscing in the old games and actually hearing him commentate. And uh, like I said, he was a huge role model for me going into my journalism career. Uh, but the NFL, because of who he is and what he represents, is deciding to do a public service honoring Uh, John Madden, February 15th, right after Valentine's Day in Oakland. Um, So that's really cool to see, and uh, it's awesome that he gets something like that. But again, tip of the cap to John Madden, a legend, a one-of-one. We will never see another John Madden. But Let's talk about Week 17. On Episode 61, we quickly ran through Week 16. Uh, Week 17, there was some pretty solid games, uh, some meaningful games come playoff time. Uh, but then we'll talk a little bit about the standings, taking a seat back, looking at this last week, what really matters. And we'll kind of just do a quick cap of, you know, what I think off the top of my head or where the franchise is and what's going on. So starting off, we had no Thursday night football. This is a, uh, week 16 was the last week for that. so it's all Sunday games and then the Steelers, Big Ben's last stand on Monday. But we started off Sunday morning with the bills rolling the Falcons 29 to 15. You know, the Falcons don't get talked a lot about, but for what they've had to do with such a kind of a broken offense, they are seven and nine at this point. They are somewhat um, a, a stiffler of a team. They've surprised some teams and they played teams like the bills competitively. And uh, that's what makes the NFL special. There's no gimmies, but the Falcons, you know, they've been fighting Josh Allen. He was 11 of 26, a buck 20 and three picks. Sheesh. He had a 17 rating, and they still found a way to win. He did make up for it a little bit on the ground. He had 15 carries for 81 yards and two tutties. And Devin Singletary, they're giving him the, the confidence. I talked last episode. They have to confidently allow him to be successful. And running back, you know, Adrian Peterson always said, and Adrian Peterson, he's AD. He's all day, right? This motherfucker's running up the A gap, the B gap, the outside, wherever you need him to do. I need a few carries to get me rolling, right? If you give me a first down carry and I get two yards and you go away from me, and then the next quarter I get a couple carries, you know, it's, it's not going to be sufficient. So they, what I mean by that is they got to give them a chance to be successful. Well, this game he was. 23 carries, 110 yards, and two touchdowns. That's a 4.8 average. You're getting five yards a carry. You're doing something. You could keep running the goddamn football. The receiving core was led by, of course, Stefan Diggs, It was only five catches for 52 yards, but Buffalo, that's all they needed offensively. Matt Ryan, Matty Ice was 13 to 23, 197 yards. Uh, Per usual, the the Falcons running offense wasn't very strong. They ran for 96 yards as a unit. Uh, Mike Davis had eight carries for 42 yards and a touchdown. He's still out there, still getting some carries. He averaged uh, 5.3 yards per carry. The Swiss Army Knife, the, the breakthrough player, a guy who owns like 35% of the Falcons offense. Corderell Patterson had nine carries, but only had 28 yards. It's a 3.1 average. Of course, Corderell had 24 yards receiving. Mike Davis had 15, but it w- they were all led by the rookie. Tight end one, a guy who has a very promising future in the NFL. Kyle Pitts, two carries for 69 yards. Now, Matty Ice, he did lose a fumble, but um, the Falcons defense... They got those picks by Foisade, Alukin. I mean, let's pull up this guy's stats. We, we haven't broken down the Falcons. You know, they're, not, they're under 500. But this guy, the alum from Yale, he played in the Ivy League. He was a six-round pick in 2018. Let's see if I can. Has it all been with the Falcons? All been with the Falcons. I mean, he's putting up numbers damn near every year. But he's really in his groove right now. At 26 years old, he's probably considered in his football prime. I'd say 26 to 29 is the sweet spot for most positions. You know, maybe not every position, but most positions, especially defensively. This year he has 95 tackles, two sacks, a forced fumble, and three picks. I feel like this guy's always, you know... When I give the defensive stats, the reason I do this is you can start learning and picking up on trends. Who's their playmakers? This is how I do it, right? If I can't watch the games, I'm checking every box score and NBA, NCAA basketball, top 25, uh, NCAA football and teams, FCS, FBS that I care about, NFL, everything. And it really gets you to see you start learning. You can start developing um, different things of what their strengths are, what they can do. And this is a guy that's really had an awesome season. AJ Terrell and Daron Harmon have had interceptions for the Falcons as well. And Foy Sade, man, 13 tackles, two passes defended outside of that interception. What a day, sir. What a day. Representing the Ivy League well. Buffalo's defense, not as very, you know, no interceptions, no double-digit tacklers, but they did get four sack, five sacks on Matty Ice as a unit. No one had double-digit sacks. So the Bills three picks, what the hell did they do to win the game? Well, they were 7 of 12 on third down and 1 for 1 on fourth. That's definitely a checked box. While the Falcons were 1 of 7 and 0 for 1 on fourth. That's definitely, you know, as far left of a red box I can do. That's a red X, whatever you want to call it. The Bills did outyard the Falcons by 90. They were plus 2 or minus 2 in the turnover differential. They had three turnovers, the Falcons had one and they outpossessed the Falcons by 13 minutes. That's what a running game will do for you. So we'll see if the Bills can keep that going. We've seen spurts of Singletary. I thought he was going to be great coming out of college. You know, that offensive line is a pretty solid unit now. They've drafted some young guys there. So football in in January in Buffalo, I'm assuming it's going to be a little a little cold. It's going to be like that Patriots game. They're going to have to find a way to, to run the ball. Let's see. Buffalo... 10-day forecast. I mean, as we look at it now, yeah, it's fucking 22 degrees as a high, snowing, a low of 12. So I would assume they're going to be facing some weather. What you know, whether they're in Buffalo or you know, there's a lot of other AFC teams that have weather that are going to be making the playoffs. Oh, that's some good wine, a little Friday night wine. The Bears rolled the Giants. 29 to 3 and before i look at the stats the first thing i was thinking when i saw this i was like oh my goodness this just shows how bad the giants unit is but you got to give credit to danny dimes you take danny dimes out these guys are scoring three points I mean, the quarterback had 24 fucking—24 24 yards? Like, I would expect that you ran the ball 50 times for 400 yards or some crazy shit. You're 24 yards? So the Giants have talked about bringing Joe Judge back. It's hard to, you know, relate. This was supposed to be Danny Dimes make it or break it year. He had a decent year. You know, doesn't have a lot of support. Saquon coming back from injury. Uh, There's just a shit show of a thing going on. So they're going to give them another chance, I think, that's well-deserved. Because look at how bad this is without your boy Danny Dimes. I mean, Mike Glennon, you know, it's not all your fault, but four for 11, 24 yards, two picks, and a 5.3 rating, a single-digit rating. How old is Mike Glennon? He's like that OG backup quarterback. He's 32 years old. The Giants might, you know, he might be like, do do I really want to do this? You know, he's making good money as backup quarterbacks. He's been on different teams. One, two, three, four, five, six years in a row. So he he could go and get those one year, 10, 11 million dollar contracts just to be a backup quarterback. But the Giants might force him into retirement. Uh, That's fucking terrible. 24 yards, man. But Saquon, he had a decent game. They gave him some carries, twenty plus carries. Bravo, Giants! They gave him twenty-one carries. He ran hundred and two yards, which is a four-point-nine average, right at five. What can you, you know, you can't ask for much. He didn't have a huge run. He had a long run of ten, but I'm sure he was looking more like himself. I did not get to catch this game, um, but you know, it, it looks pretty promising. And then Devontae Booker, he gets eighteen carries. So they really were committed to the run, and they kept giving Devontae carries, even though. He only had 46 yards. It's a 2.8 average. Again, you're under four. Not very good. Under three. Not good at all. And then the leading receiver was split between David Sills, the fifth, and Evan Ingram. One catch for 12 yards. They both split the yardage. God damn the Giants, man. The football Giants. Add to that, not only did Mike Glennon have two picks, But he lost the ball twice, fumbled it twice, four turnovers on the day. Come on, man. But that Bears defense without some of their playmakers, though, still a solid unit. So we hand the keys back to Dalton, the regular season starter. Fields not healthy. Dalton, the ultimate backup quarterback. Goes 18 for 35, a buck 73, a touchdown and a pick. Not a very promising performance either, but enough to smoke the football Giants. And then David Montgomery, he gets 22 carries as well. But he couldn't do quite as much as Saquon did. He only got 64 yards. It's a 2.9 average and two touchdowns. You know, have the Giants been a great running defense? I want to say so. So, that, that you know, that's surprising to me. But when you're David Montgomery and you're, you know, what did he do? He got two catches for 17 yards. He's been receiving a lot of catches out of the backfield too, though. As much work that you're having to do and your team's six and 10 at this point they were five and nine or five and ten you know how much i don't know where are they mentally you know how much do they really care how much are they trying to fight for that other yard or two he's only 24 right stud out of iowa state but i'm just curious you know you talk about these nba guys taking games off all the time and football every game matters but when you're when you're five and ten i'm sure that's got to have something to do with it but maybe i'm crazy And Darnell Mooney, what a fucking season this guy's at, huh? Out of Tulane, second-round player, puts up 929 yards. He's going to get over 1,000 on the Bears' offense. Allen Robinson only has 388. Darnell Mooney, I mean, Andy Dalton's been there for you. He loves you. But he had seven catches for 69 yards and a touchdown. I like me some Mooney. I like me some Mooney. I remember seeing him on the waiver wire in Fantasy it's like, one more week, one more week. Someone else swooped him up. So You got to catch goal on that fr- on that free agency waiver wire sometime. Well, the Bears defense, they sacked old Mike Glennon four times as a unit. Travis Gibson had three tackles, two of them sacks, and a QB hit. Tayshon Gibson Sr. and Deion Bush had interceptions on Mr. Glennon. The Giants defense, not a lot of note. They did sack Dalton twice as a unit. Tay hey Crowder and James Bradbury had interceptions. Now, the Bears were 6 of 16 on third down, 2 of 3 on fourth. That's respectable. The Giants, 1 for 11 on third, 0 for 1 on fourth. The Bears out yarded the Giants by 90. They were plus 2 in the turnover differential, 4 to 2, and outpossessed the Giants by a minute. Then the Bengals Chiefs. You know, I'm at the Ski Hill. I'm at the ski hill because Big Ben's last dance, it's all I care about at this point. We're probably not making the playoffs. I thought there would be hope of making the playoffs. We'd need the Browns to beat the Bengals. And then the Bungles fucking smoke the Chiefs. Or should I say, Jamar Chase smoked the Chiefs. Like Joe Burrow said, I know Jamar's out there somewhere. I'm going to find a way to give it to him. And I feel bad for the guys that tried, man. You know, LeJarious Sneed, he've had a great year. Good job trying. But he was out there just fucking moss people give me that ball a little bit give me that give me that ball and how old is jamar chase i mean this is the shit that like you know i'm 29 years old this motherfucker's 21 at 21 i you know i was graduating college i had my shit together i was managing full-time school i was a sports reporter at the news station but i wasn't grabbing balls over guys in the nfl how does that make you feel he's fucking 21 years old and Joe Burrow, what is he? 24 maybe? 25. Joe's old. He's been around. No, I'm just kidding. But Joe at 30 for 39, 4, 46, and four fucking touchdowns. It's a 148 rating. AFC North, man. <sighs> these these Bengals, if their ownership figures this shit out and puts the right pieces in front of them, they might they might finally change the pace of the AFC North. We'll talk about next season predictions after the offseason. You never count this franchise out with the defense and a little Kenny Pickett in there or something, you never know. But goddamn, 446 and 4 after what he did last week. Joe Mixon, he was involved a little bit, a little 12 carries, 46 yards is a 3.8 average. But Jamar Chase, 11 catches on 12 targets, so he almost caught every fucking thing he gave to him. 266, that's a 24.2 yard per average. And three tutties. He had a long ball of 72. I was watching that. I I literally purposely was trying to take a break, first break of the ski day right towards the end of this game, and I was frustrated. If the Bengals had won, I think I would have won two grand on a parlay, or if the Chiefs would have. But such is life. Such is life. The Chiefs didn't lay an egg though. That you know, they they went after him. Pat Mahomes was twenty-six of thirty-five, two fifty-nine, and two touchdowns. And now I look at these stats, I can't get the visual of what I saw Jamar Chase at the post-conference. Like, hey, did you know you put up more yards than fucking Mahomes did today? He's like, nah, nah. How many he have? Two fifty-nine. He's like, oh shit. You know, he was like, damn, that's crazy, boy. He out yarded Pat Mahomes, man. Well, Derek Gore or Darrell Williams, Derek Gore's right there, but Darrell Williams led the backfield while Clyde was um, resting his shoulder. He got 14 carries. He mustered up 88 yards. It's a 6.3 per carry average, which is good against a pretty solid run defense. He also put in two touchdowns. The receiving core, it was a lot of targets to a lot of different guys, but McCole Hardman led the way. With this 53-yard catch, he had one catch for 53 yards. A lot of people doing that double safety, not letting the Chiefs go over the top. Well, the Bengals' defense didn't get to Mahomes once, but Chidobi Awuzie, when we broke down the Bengals, we talked about him coming from the Cowboys, making a difference. Ten tackles, ten solo tackles. he had been balling. That backfield, all these little pieces. That you have uh, Chidobi. you have Eli Apple. Trey Flowers, um, Mike Hilton from the Steelers. All these guys that, you know, Mike Hilton just told the Steelers to fuck off and bounce, but a lot of the other guys were like, you know, other teams were kind of putting them on the shelves. Now they're here. They're in with the Bungles, and they balling. And Shadobi, I see you, boy. And then the Chiefs. Chris Jones. That is their defense. He had four tackles, two sacks, two tackles for a loss, and three QB hits. They're different with him out, out in the field. We saw that, right? How did the Chiefs start? People people are already forgetting this shit. The Chiefs were one, two and three, three and four at one point. I was a little worried at that point. Everyone's like, "Now Stephen A. Smith, you know, everyone loves Stephen A. Smith. He's all over. He makes these loud, crazy remarks. I guarantee it. You guarantee it." He said, I guarantee the Chiefs won't make the playoffs. They're 11 and fucking five. Get out of here with that. Come on. You can't tell me they ain't making the playoffs. They're too talented. They're too fucking talented. Anyways, the Bengals, 4 of 10 on third down, one for one on fourth. It don't matter though, because when in doubt, give it to Jamar. The Chiefs, 6 of 11 for third, one for one on fourth. The Bengals out-yarded the Chiefs by 60. Neither team turned the ball over and the chiefs outpossessed them by a minute. What are the Bengals going to do in the playoffs? Can't wait to see what's going to go on. Can they win? Will they win? We'll see. We'll see. Then the Titans, they're like, yo, we need a win. We need this one seed. They didn't know the chiefs lost at the time. They're playing at the same time, but everyone is high on the dolphins. You know, they're winning all these games in a row. I was like, man, you got A.J. Brown back. Donta Foreman's running well. There's no way that the Dolphins are going to win. I don't think it'd be 34-3, to though. These fucking Titans, man, The all the things that could happen. COVID, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, all these things. I wrote them off. I just kept thinking they'd lose games. And they keep fucking winning games. Ryan Tannehill is playing great fucking football. I've never given him any credit. Never given him any credit. You take all, you know... Foreman has been cut and has barely done shit in his whole NFL career. Let's look at it specifically. Like, I thought he'd be good. You know, I'm a big 12 guy. I saw what he he has done at Texas. His rookie year, 78 attempts for 327 yards. It's a 4.2 average. The next year, he came back. He was hurt, negative one yard. First year in Tennessee, 95 yards. He was off the squad, back on the squad this year. God damn. Who do you give the most props to for the Titans organization right now? Is it Tannehill? Is it their coach? Is it their front office? Is it the GM? They got a bunch of grown men. They go in each week thinking, we're going to physically dominate your ass. And all I know, am I going to pick the Titans to win the Super Bowl? Probably not. But who the fuck is going to beat this team? Who's going to beat them with Derrick Henry back in the fucking backfield stiff arm arming, motherfuckers? You got Foreman now. You got Hilliard. You got running back depth. And A.J. Brown is a grown-ass man that could go anywhere on the football field. I don't know. Well, in this game, Tannehill managed. You know, he does enough. He doesn't make mistakes. Unless it was the Steelers game. He made way too many mistakes. But no don't matter. We ain't making the fucking playoffs. Unless the Jaguars somehow... You know, I see all the players in the Jaguars that aren't even playing this week. Like, how in the hell could they win? You never know. That, that would be crazy. But the Steelers have a chance. But, I mean, not really. Well, Tannehill was 13-18, 120, with two touchdowns. And Foreman, man, 26 carries. He almost got 30 fucking carries. 132 yards and a touchdown. It's a 5.1 average. So, second question about Foreman. Is this because they're such a run heavy offense and they're just a physical physical fucking bull coming at you each fucking play and they already commit to run the ball that many times? Or has he gotten healthy enough, taken care of his body enough, that he's deserving of a starting job in the NFL? That's the major question to me. He's only twenty five years old. You know, you have till you're thirty, then you're looked like fucking you're the in the clearance aisle. No one wants you when you're 30 as a running back in the league. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. I, I highly doubt he's on under contract right now. I don't know if ESPN tells me that. Well, let's let's look. I'm intrigued. Oh, no. I saw the report. I don't even need to Google it. Yeah. They just gave him a one-year $920,000 contract. It's going to make a milli. So another prove it here. But they're going to have Derrick Henry. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Crazy shit, man. And then the Dolphins. I'm Pro Tua. Everyone wants to shit on Tua. Tua Tango Viloa. I said it better the last episode. I was You look at it and it sounds so much different than it looks. Tonga Viloa. Tua Tonga Viloa. Pretty sure that's it. But I'm pro Tua. You know, he had a solid game, 18 to 38. I mean, not really. 20 incompletions, completions, 205 yards and a pick, 53 rating. Pretty solid defense from the Titans. You know, he doesn't have a lot of help. He's got a decent few pieces on the right wide receiving core. But they need a lot of help offensively. I think he's going to turn out. Yeah, he's been hurt. Yeah, he gets a lot of slack. He's only 23 years old. He's two years younger than Joe Burrow. Miami just needs to give this man some help. Duke Johnson's done pretty good this year, but this game, he had only seven carries for 49 yards. He averaged seven per carry, but they were playing from behind a lot, so they had to throw the ball. And Mike Gaseki led the way, four catches, 51 yards. Tua did fumble the ball three times. It's unacceptable. He only lost one of them. The Titans defense, they got to Tua four times as a unit. No standout performances. David Long Jr. did get an interception for the Titans. And then the Dolphins' defense was led by Christian Wilkins. What a season he's having! Ten tackles and a tackle for a loss. You know he's a third-year player out of Clemson. He's got 43 tackles, three and a half sacks, and a forced fumble. Uh, he's a guy that's always you know crazy antics on the sideline. I'm sure he's going to be a key piece of that defense moving forward. Now the Titans were seven to fifteen on third down, one for one on fourth. The, the Dolphins, 3 of 12 on 3rd, 1 for 3 on 4th. The Titans only out-yarded them by 50 yards, but they were plus 2 in the turnover differential, 2 to 0. And they outpossessed the Dolphins by 7 minutes. Life in the NFL. And then another shocker. I didn't bet on this one because the Raiders have hope. All the shit that the Raiders have dealt with. All their young kids partying in Vegas outside of all the other shit they've dealt with. Derek Carr's got this team with a little bit of a heartbeat. I did not see this shit coming, though. I was like, damn, they beat the fucking Colts. The Colts are like the hottest team. And like the Titans, a team you do not want to fuck with. Defense, run game. That shit wins championships. Well, in this game, Carson Wentz, it's not like he, you know, gave the game up by any means. He was 16 of 27, a buck 48, and a touchdown. But they only gave Jonathan uh, Taylor the ball 20 times. He ran 108 yards with those. It's a 5.4 average, and he found the end zone. And the receiving core was led by Michael Pittman. Six catches, 47 yards. T.Y. had a tipped ball touchdown for a touchdown reception. For the Raiders, Derek Carr was 24-31, 255, a touchdown, and two picks, but they still won the game. And we'll talk about the Chargers game here in a second. Josh Jacobs is the, the you know, I had Josh Jacobs in fantasy last year and not, you know, fantasy doesn't equal what they are. You look at his film. He's physical. He's nasty. They have a big offensive line. Why they don't give him more carries. I don't know. I, he's always hurt. Maybe that's the case, but they only gave him 16 carries. He had 63 yards, which is a 3.9 average right at that four yard mark and a touchdown. But he, you know, sometimes he'll take 16 carries and you'll go a buck 50 for him. So, you know, I'm, I'm curious if the injuries are hindering him, if he doesn't get enough carries to get the flow that he needs, what it is, but the Raiders offense just doesn't make a lot of sense, but here they are nine and seven, you know, they're right fucking there and Zay Jones lays the way. Who would have thought Zay Jones would lead the team in receiving eight catches, a buck 20 Hunter Renfro, little Wes Welker, 2.0, 76 yards and a touchdown on seven catches. And they gave a little package for Marcus Mariota in the red zone, run the ball at 16 yards. Now defensively, the Colts were led by Bobby Okereke, 10 tackles. They got to car two times as a unit, Isaiah Rodgers and the maniac, Darius Leonard had an interception. Now speaking of Darius Leonard, I just watched the hard knocks, this, you know, Wednesday for the new week. What a fucking, you know, just an awesome, production that has been hard knocks is always fucking top notch you know, as an ex-journalism guy like just everything they do you know hbl is great that's what they do but it's been fun watching the colts i talked about already liking the colts you know i'm pro carson wentz trying to figure it out i, I like a lot of their players including taylor including ty 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 but watching that shit in season just hits different i'm excited to see if they keep it going and what a fucking first-class organization Indianapolis is, the awesome stadium, Jim Ursay, just everything that they're doing, Frank Reich, you know, how could he not like what they're doing? How they manage COVID, injuries, everything that they've done. And then the Raiders' defense, nothing noteworthy. They got to Carson Wentz once, no double-digit tackles, no picks. It's like, how the fuck did they win this game? Well, the Colts were only 3-for-11 on third down. So you're running the ball, you run the ball short third to down distance. I'm sure they gave it to Carson and completions or something of that nature. They were one for one on fourth down. The Raiders were six of 14 on third, two for two on fourth. The Raiders out yarded the Colts by 70, almost 80 yards. They were minus two in the turnover differential and outpossessed the Colts by three minutes. You know, I watched the hard knocks. So I know that the Colts, you know, went to the end of the game. The Raiders had one last chance to get in a field goal position to win the game. They did. So, you know, Not often, though, are you minus two in the turnover differential and you win a football game. Then the Patriots, you know, this is the hope that we Steelers fans have. They beat the fucking Jaguars. They put up a 50-burger, 50-10. to And I feel like that's just Bill Belichick letting off some steam after the Bills game. you are going to put 50 on these motherfuckers? Damn. Well, the Rook, Mac Jones... 22 of 30, 222 and three touchdowns. Ramondre Stevenson, again, I always represent my alums, my teams, my you know, where I'm from, my roots. Not from Oklahoma, but I got some boomer sumer pride. Ramondre Stevenson, 19 carries, 107 yards. It's a five point six average. And he had two of them touchdowns. Damian Harris had thirty five yards on nine carries and two touchdowns as well. And Kendrick Bourne, what a off-season acquisition he has been. Led the team in receiving five catches, seventy-six yards. For the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence seventeen and twenty-seven, one hundred ninety-three, a touchdown and three picks. I'm pretty sure he's leading the league in picks at this point. I mean, I guess we could look. We ain't in no rush. Let's see. leaders interceptions Trevor Lawrence 17 Matt Stafford 15 Heineke 15 Josh Allen 15 so yes he leads the league in interceptions it doesn't matter who you got around he's still playing football that is concerning I just we know how talented he is there's not a lot I mean we've talked about his fucking commodity cheese wide receivers Laquan Treadwell, you know, LaVisca Chenault was supposed to be a stud. They still have Tavon Austin. I didn't even know he was in the league for the longest time. I just hope that his career doesn't get ruined by a franchise. That's what sucks. You get the first quarterback in the draft. You're going to Cleveland. You're going to Jacksonville. It's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. You almost got to Eli Manning it. It's, you know, now we have the NILs. You have the fucking transfer portal. You have all this power as quarterbacks. You almost have to – I feel like they're going to start shifting for power in the NFL as well, and you can't blame them. Well, no Robinson. So Dare Ogunbale had nine carries for 36 yards. It's a 4.0 average. Laquan Treadwell did lead the team in receiving, six catches, 87 yards. You no, know, he, he. You know, as much as we, I'm making fun of him, he has 410 yards on the year. It's got to be a career high. Let's see. That is a career high. His previous high was 302 yards with Minnesota. But, I mean, he's from Ole Miss. He's been in the league for one, two, three, four, five, six years. It'll be interesting to see if he has a chance. I'm, I always like an underdog story, and we're rooting for you, Laquan. He was nasty in college. I thought he was a sure thing coming out. The Patriots' defense gets to Trevor Lawrence twice. Not a lot of showouts. Miles Bryant, Kyle Duggar, and J.C. Jackson all escaped with interceptions. Can J.C. Jackson, how many does this guy have? He's got eight interceptions, second in the league. What a fucking stud he's been, 26 years old, out of Maryland. For the Jaguars, no sacks, no standouts, no picks. The Pats, 8 of 10 on third down. God damn. The Jaguars, 3 of 9. The Pats out yard the Jaguars by 220, and they're plus three in the turnover differential, and they out possess the Jags by 13 minutes. Jaguars, whatever we could do to win next week, let's fucking do it. Two days away, let's go. The Buccaneers somehow have to play to the very end of the game to beat the Jets. Maybe the Jets and Tom Brady is a thing, I don't know. Maybe Zach Wilson's just getting good. I don't know. I don't really believe that, but uh, Tom Brady, 34 of 50, 10, three touchdowns and a pick. You know, looking at that stat line, I'm like, how in the hell was this a close game? Keyshawn Vaughn, he got eight carries for 31 yards. It's a 3.9 average. And before Ronald Jones got hurt, he had 10 for 26. Le'Veon Bell got a big three carries for a whopping five yards. It's a 1.7 average offensively rob gronkowski of course led the way a meaningful game you need to win you're losing the fucking jets give it to gronkowski seven catches a buck 15 mike evans got a touchdown and cyril grayson got a touchdown as well zach wilson 19 of 33 234 and a touchdown that's an 89.7 rating michael carter only had three carries for 54 yards i believe he got a concussion so insert Austin Walter, 14 carries for 49 yards. It's a 3.5 average against a very good Bucks defense. He is a, let's see, a three-year player out of Rice. He played for, got drafted by the Giants with the Niners and now with the Jets. Again, I like underdog stories. You never know. You look at these running backs. Get a hot hand, you could make a career. And then Braxton Berrios, he's put on the IR. He's going to be out for the year. The one game of their season, anyways. He led the team in receiving. He's had a solid year. Eight catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown. He has 431 yards and two touchdowns this season. He is a. This is his third year. He's been drafted by the Jets. Best season yet. Where did he come from? Miami. The U. He did lose a fumble, though. Shame on you, man. Shame on you. Well, the Jets defense—they had Brandon Echols with an interception, and big money free agent C.J. Mosley with 13 tackles for the Bucks. One sack on Wilson as a unit. No showouts defensively. Which is surprising. Probably overlooked this opponent for a while. The Jets decent, six of 11 for third, zero for one on fourth. The Buccaneers nine of 15 on third, one for one on fourth. The Buccaneers outyarded the Jets by 90 yards. Both teams had a turnover. And they outpossessed the the Jets by seven minutes. Jets, Giants, New York, New York, garbage, garbage. What's the difference, right? And then the Eagles escaping on the road against the WFT. 20-16. Eagles are going to make the goddamn playoffs, man. I, I can't believe it. Well, I wish the Steelers were in the NFC that we'd be in there too. Just like the Steelers, they don't really deserve it. Don't expect much never know. That's why you play to win the game. Well, Jalen Hurts was 17-26, 214 yards. Boston Scott got 14 carries for 47 yards and two touchdowns, although he only averaged 3.4 yards a carry. So they gave 11 to Jordan Howard, the veteran that's been everywhere, Philly back in Philly. He's 27 years old, though, still in his prime. And... whoops. And he had 26 yards, only a 2.4 average. Dallas Goder led the team in receiving six catches, 71 yards. And for the WFT, want to say that until they get a new name. Heineke was 27 to 36, 247 in a pick. No um, typical running backs for them. No Gibson, no uh, McKissick. So Jarrett Patterson had 12 carries for 57 yards. a 4.8 average. He did find the end zone. And Terry McLaurin, per usual, leading the team in receiving seven catches, 61 yards. All this shit the WFT has been through. He's got 960 yards. He's going to go over 1,000 again. This kid's a stud out of Ohio State. Hopefully the team can pay off dividends for him. Or maybe he'll leave. I wouldn't mind them see him leave and seeing what he could do. The WFT defense was led by Cole Holcomb. 11 tackles and a pass defended. Cameron Curl had 10 tackles as well. And for Philly, TJ Edwards, 14 tackles. They got to uh, Heineke three times as a unit. And Rodney McLeod had an interception. WFT was 9 of 15 on third, 0 for 1 on fourth. Philly was 4 of 12 on third, 3 for 4 on fourth. They out-yarded the WFT by 18 minutes. WFT was minus one in the turnover differential. And the Eagles outpossessed WFT by five minutes. So then this one came down to the wire as well, a little surprisingly. The Rams, all these big fancy names, McVay, this, you know, genius. They add all these big names. They're in win now mode. And they just barely win games. I, I, you know, granted it's in Baltimore. You do have Harbaugh. They never give up. With all the injuries and the star talent you have, how are you losing this winning this game by one and barely winning? It makes no sense. Matt Stafford, 26 of 35, 309 yards, two touchdowns, and two picks. Sonny Michelle, 19 carries for uh, 74 yards. It's a 3.9 average, and he found the end zone. And Cooper, fucking cup, six catches, 95 yards, and a tutty. He is now at 1,829 yards. And we got a record watch coming on Sunday. I hope he gets it. FCS fucking represent. Fuck the Eagles, though. Um. Then for Baltimore, Tyler Huntley, no Lamar. Lamar's not playing again against the Steelers like it would matter. Uh, he was 20-32, a buck 97 and a pick. Devonta Freeman gets 14 carries for 76 yards. It's a 4- 5.4 average. But yeah, this man right here, Devonta Freeman, he's only 29 years old. You know, a lot of people are like, ah, he's done. He's had injuries, this and that. He's got 555 yards. It's a 4.3 average, not amazing. What else has he got for receiving? And 184 yards and receiving, six touchdowns total. So with the injuries, dealing with everything, he's been serviceable. A lot of people want to knock him, but he had 76 yards, 5.4 average. I mean, shoot, do your thing, man. And then Mark Andrews, man, tight end number one in receiving this year. Boomer fucking Sooner. Six catches, 89 yards, doing his thing. Hollywood Brown lost a fumble as well as Stafford. Uh, Chuck Clark had two picks for the Ravens in this game. They only got to Stafford once as a unit. For the Rams defense, they were able to get to Huntley five times. Two of those by Von Miller. The first big appearance and performance by Mr. Von Miller five tackles, two sacks, three tackles for a loss, and two QB hits. And then Jordan Fuller with an interception as well. Statistically, the Ravens were four of 14 on third, three for three on fourth. The Rams were three of nine on third, one for one on fourth. The Rams out yarded the Ravens by 50. The uh, Rams were minus one in the turnover differential, three to two. And the Ravens outpossessed the Rams by seven minutes. But the Rams escaped. That's a huge win as they have a huge game against the Niners this weekend we'll talk about. And then a little AFC West action. Drew Locke starting for the Broncos. Trying to save his NFL career. Not quite the performance you would want. The Chargers smoked them in L.A., you know, whether that's a home game, a neutral game, whatever we want to call it, 34-13. to 13. Drew Locke was 18-25, 245 in a touchdown. So I had a decent performance. Uh, Melvin Gordon got 10 carries for 43 yards. Meanwhile, Javante Williams, a rookie, 14 carries for 30 yards, but only a 2.1 average. Noah Fant led the, t- the team in receiving. Six catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown. That was my fantasy tight end. Could have used more of those games in my season, but hey, you know he's doing his thing. Uh, Justin Herbert, 22 of 31, 237 and two touchdowns. Austin Eckler had 17 carries for 58 yards and a touchdown. He only mustered a 3.4 average. So they gave 12 carries to Justin Jackson as well. He only had 41 yards, the exact same 3.4 yards per carry. And then Mike Williams led the team in receiving, 63 yards and a touchdown. Austin Eckler also pitched in 54 receiving yards. Deontay Spencer lost a fumble. That's an old returner for the Steelers. Does it show where he lost it? I'm assuming punt return, maybe a kickoff. Uh, statistically, the Chargers were 9 of 15 on third down, 1 for 1 on fourth. That's great conversion rates. The Broncos, not so much. 3 of 11 on third, 1 for 4 on fourth down. The Chargers only out-yarded the uh, Broncos by 30. They were plus one in the turnover differential and out-possessed the Broncos by a minute. The 49ers taking care of business, trying to get into the postseason. They beat the Houston Texans 23-7 at home. Trey Lance starting at quarterback, Jimmy G with the elbow injury. He goes 16-23, 249, two touchdowns and a pick. I wish I had the NFL game pass. I would love to see how he he played, but 116 rating looks pretty solid. Um, Elijah Mitchell back in action. He is announced to play this week as well. He had 21 carries for a buck 19. That's a 5.7 average. Trey Lance took the ball eight times for 31 yards as well. And Debo Samuel found the end zone, but Brandon Ayuk led the team in receiving, four catches, 94 yards, for the Texans. Davis Mills, 21 to 32, 163 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. And Rex Burkhead, 16 carries for 47 yards. It's only a 2.9 average. That Niners D is the real deal. They did award Rex Burkhead a one year contract, I saw. It'll be interesting to see what he can do. He's had his days, he's had his not such good days. He's, he's 31 years old. He had 403 yards and three touchdowns, only averaged 3.7 per carry. But they gave him a lot of carries, so uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, The receiving core was led by Brandon Cooks once again. Seven catches, 66 yards, and a touchdown. Defensively for the Niners, tackling machine. Fred Warner, 15 total tackles, a tackle for a loss. And Marcel Harris with 10 tackles and a pass defended. As a unit, the uh, Niners got to Mills three times. And Marcel Harris also had an interception. Marcel Harris isn't ringing a bell. This is a third-year player out of Florida. 24 tackles, a sack, and a pick on the year. He hasn't been very involved. Oh, he played 16 games last year. You know, I don't know how much he actually played, but a solid day by Mr. Marcel Harris, linebacker for the Niners. For the Texans defense, one sack is a eunuch, no standout performances, but Desmond King was able to pick off Trey Lance. The Niners and Lances start 5 of 13 on third, 0 for 2 on fourth. Not great. The Texans 5 of 15 on third, 0 for 1 on fourth. The Niners did out-yard the Texans by just under 200. And both teams turned the ball over, but the Niners were out by the Texans by a minute. And this was a huge game, a huge Game for the Cardinals is they're on a slide. Everyone's talking about them being like last year. They're on a slide. They might slide themselves out of the playoffs or into a bad situation. Will be they beat them Cowboys at home in front of a big ass crowd, twenty-five to twenty-two, solid game potential playoff preview. Kyler Murray twenty-six to thirty-eight, two sixty-three and two touchdowns. Chase Edmonds led the way with no James Conner. eighteen carries for fifty-three yards. It's under a three. Per, three yard per carry average no bueno and christian kirk with no hopkins six catches 79 yards to lead the way for the cowboys Dak was 24 38 226 and three touchdowns uh, he also led the team in rushing with five carries for 20 yards although zeke had nine carries for 16 yards which is under a two per carry average and dalton schultz led the way with the receiving core six catches 54 yards And no, that wasn't because there was no Cooper, no Lamb. They were there. Um, Lamb did get, or Cooper did get a touchdown catch. Dak did lose a fumble, although he lost the ball three times. He can't be doing that. And the Cardinals win. Uh, The Cowboys defense was led by Leighton Vander Ash, little Boise State alum, 10 tackles total. They got to Kyler Murray one time as a unit. And the Cardinals defense got to Dak one time as a unit as well and Isaiah Simmons with 10 total tackles. Statistically, the Cowboys were 3 of 11 on 3rd, 3 for 3 on 4th. The Cardinals were very much better, 7 of 16 on 3rd, 2 for 2 on 4th. The Cardinals out-yarded the Cowboys just under 100. They were plus 1 in the turnover differential, 0 to 1, and they outpossessed the Cowboys by 9 minutes. That run game needs to get figured out with them. Cowboys want to win a ship. And then the Saints vying for playoffs as well. They beat the Panthers. What a terrible season they have. That was my sleeper pick for a playoff team. Uh, they beat the Panthers 18-10. Taysom Hill's back in action, 17-28, 222 in a touchdown. He also ran the ball 12 times for 45 yards. Kamara was back. They gave him the ball 13 times, but only 32 yards, which is a 2.5 average. And Marquez Calloway led the way. Six catches, 97 yards for the right wide receiver unit. Kamara did chip in with five catches for 68 yards and a touchdown. So he was over er, 60, 90. He was exactly at 100 yards on the day overall. Sam Darnold, the official starter for the Panthers, to see how he could ride it out. He ends up finishing 17 of 26, 132 yards and a pick. Chuba Hubbard gets the ball 17 times for 55 yards. It's a 3.2 average and a touchdown. He hasn't really had the best season in you know, helping uh, the running unit outside of Christian McCaffrey, who they have now on the training box, supposedly. And Ian Thomas led the team in receiving three catches, 33 yards. And yes, DJ Moore was there, but Sam Darnold also lost a fumble. For the Saints defense, they sacked Darnold seven fucking times. Cameron Jordan getting hot. Eight tackles, three and a half sacks, three tackles for a loss, and three QB hits. And C.J. Gardner-Johnson with an interception. For the Panthers' defense, they get to uh, Taysom Hill two times as a unit. Uh, No standouts defensively. Statistically, the Saints were only 5 of 13 on third. The Panthers were 6 of 14 on third. The Saints did out-yard the Panthers by a hundred and two. They were a plus two on the turnover differential, and the Panthers outpossessed the Saints by a minute. Then the Seahawks, all the drama. You know, hey, we're playing the Lions. Let's put up a little 50-burger for the fans. They beat the Lions 51-29 to without Jared Goff. Russell Wilson goes 20 of 29, 236 and four tutties. It's a typical line that we're used to seeing. We haven't seen as much this year. The finger must be better. Rashad Penny still running in the trenches, trying to get a contract. 25 carries, 170 yards. It's a beautiful 6.8 average, and he found the end zone twice with a long run of 37 yards. And DK Metcalf must have been complaining enough. He got six catches, 63 yards. Not one, not four, not two, but three touchdowns on the day. And Freddie Swain led the way with 65 yards on two catches. For the Lions, Tim Boyle, 22-37, 262 yards, two touchdowns, but three picks on the day. DeAndre Swift came back. Coach was talking about giving him a lot of balls. He only took the ball, the handoff, four times for 32 yards. He did average eight yards a run, though. Jamal Williams did get 11 carries for 22 yards and a touchdown. Easy math there, two per carry average. And how about this young buck? Omron St. Brown leading the way again. Obviously isn't only Jared Goff's favorite target. He he gets eight catches on 11 targets for 111 yards and one touchdown. Pretty solid season for the rookie from USC. 803 yards and and four touchdowns. He's going to be right under 1,000 on the year. Defensively for the Seahawks, they got no sacks, no standouts. But DJ Reed gets two picks. And Hugo Amadi gets a pick as well. For the Lions defense, Tracy Walker, the third, gets 12 total tackles. They get to Russell Wilson one time as a unit. Whoops. Clicking on ads here. Uh, the Seahawks statistically goes 7 of 12 on third, 1 for 1 on 4th. I'm sure they would like to have seen that a lot more this year. The Lions, 5 of 10 on third, 1 for 2 on 4th. And the Seahawks out yard the Lions by a buck 40. They're plus three in the turnover differential, three to zero. And they outpossess the Lions by seven minutes. And Rodgers, he never shouted in front of the fans in Minnesota saying, I own you. But he's typically owned the Vikings. And the Vikings beat them earlier this year. Definitely got that pick wrong. Well, not this time. They smoke the Vikings without Kirk Cousins. Obviously a big piece in this. But they went 37 to 10 in Lambeau. Discount double check goes 29 to 38, 288, and two touchdowns. Aaron Rodgers goes for 76 yards on only eight carries. It's a beautiful 9.5 per average. But AJ Dillon was the bell cow, bell cow in the cold. 14 carries for 63 yards and two tutties. That's a 4.5 average. And you already know who led the way for the receiving core. Devontae. Fucking Adams, eight catches, a buck 36, and a touchdown. You know, I keep seeing all these numbers, and, you know, what if I was in fantasy playoffs? Devontae was my first pick. 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns. He's 29 years old, though. He's getting up there. We'll see, we'll see what happens in the offseason. For the Kirk Cousinless offense for the Vikings, Sean Mannion led the way 22-36, 189 yards, and a touchdown. You know, their young rookie that they drafted, Kellen Mond. They only put him in at the very end of the game. which Doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. And Dalvin Cook was playing. He got nine carries for 13 yards, which is a terrible 1.4 average. But Sean Mannion Mannion led the team in running with 14 yards on two carries, beat him by a yard. And then Justin Jefferson, six catches for 58 yards, although C.J. Osborne had the touchdown reception. Defensively for the Pack, they got to Sean Mannion twice, not a ton of standouts defensively. For the Vikings defense, no sacks, no picks, no stands out standouts defensively. The Packers go 7 of 13 on third, 0 for 1 on 4th. The Vikings were a terrible 2 of 12 on third, 1 for 4 on 4th. The Packers out yarded the Vikings by 280 yards. Neither team turned the ball over, and the Packers outpossessed them by 17 minutes. And then the moment, the last stand in Hines, the win against Cleveland. A lot of people were still picking Cleveland. No one gives the goddamn Steelers any credit. Yes, I picked them to win the division. Yes, they will beat Baltimore this week, and they're that fucking close to beating the Bengals for the division. So don't tell me that was a terrible take. We're fucking right there, and the offense was completely broken. The offensive line was way worse than expected. But his last game, I mean, this man, we went over his accolades last week. You know, I'm wearing this shit again back-to-back days because he's been the starting quarterback for my favorite team in sports. You know, I'm a very big sports fan, fucking obviously, since I've basically been alive. He goes 24 for 46, 123 yards, a pick and a touchdown. Now, is that the glamorous game that you wanted? Absolutely not. But he got the dub. He got to take a kneel what a fucking performance, what a fucking sight, you know, I was watching it as long as they would fucking stream it, and after the game, they gave the the game quite a bit of time, which was awesome to see them giving Ben his moment, and uh, yeah, it's a bummer that potentially this game in Baltimore is his last game, Uh, supposedly someone tweeted, I haven't, you know, validated this, that he started in Baltimore, now he's ending in Baltimore, you know, I hope he has a little bit more of a glamorous game as a QB. But bravo to you, Ben. Ups and downs, the you know appendectomies, the bike wrecks. I know I talked about this a lot last week. But this is my quarterback, man. He's been amazing. He's done anything and everything for this team. He's a true yinzer. And I couldn't have asked for a better quarterback for my favorite football team in sports. Favorite football team in football. Favorite sports team in sports. But how about this young man? Your fantasy football players, Najee Harris, would be potentially my first overall pick next year. See what the Steelers do in the offseason. 28 carries, 188 yards, and a touchdown. He stiff-armed the fuck out of a guy. He said, get off me. Get off me. 6.7. After all the shit that he's been through, all the carries, all the workload, and starting to pay off. And a lot of rookies, they'll start getting defeated and they'll give up and wait for the next season. He beat Franco Harris's record for most yards by a rookie running back in Pittsburgh Steelers history. 1,172 yards, seven touchdowns on 296 attempts, which is the second most in football. And after all this shit he's dealt with, he's still got a four, four yard per carry average. It's only going to get better. What a fucking draft pick he has been. We all knew he would show out. I can't wait to see what his future holds. And then the receiving core, you know, how this guy's still in the rotation and getting all these fucking targets. He had 10 targets by Ben. Probably because he's quick, shifty. Ben likes to get out quick. 10 targets, only reeled in four catches for 35 yards to lead the way. Deontay Johnson had the quick slant slant touchdown catch. For the uh, Browns, dude, you know, I don't want to say I should be a head coach and, you know, I know what I'm doing. But what the f... Is their game plan, man? The Steelers have been giving up yards in the A and B gap all year. Bajillion yards. They're without Devin Bush. They're without Joe Shobert, And you give Nick Chubb 12 fucking carries? He had 58 yards. which is a 4.8 average. But I just... I have no clue what their game plan was. Let's let our injured quarterback... We've already fucking probably ruined his career. Let's give him 38 pass attempts. He goes 16 for 38, 185 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, and a 53.1 rating. And I know a lot of people like to hate on Baker, but he put up a competitive game against the Packers. He's doing what he can. I don't think that this is his fault. Yeah, should he even be playing? Whose decision is that? You know, obviously he's fighting to play, but what the fuck, man? They should be sick to their stomach, the Cleveland Browns. What they performed, they're, they're going to finish under five hundred. Like, unacceptable. I would just clean the whole fucking house. You know what? I'm over it. Clean everyone out except our talent. And someone's going to come in and fucking do the right shit because this is not okay for the players. I'm not even a Browns fan, but, like, what the fuck, man? Look at the people they have on paper. Sure, you get rid of OBJ. Their offensive wide receiver unit's not amazing, but their line both lines, They're fucking front seven, even their back end's good. They're, they're, you know, they have every damn thing that you need. It's just it, mind blowing. I was just watching that game, like sweet, you know, big man's last stand. But for Cleveland, I just like felt for him. I was like, man, what the fuck, man? And Donovan Peoples-Jones led the team in receiving three catches for 76 yards. Defensively for the Steelers, they got nine fucking sacks. They're leading the NFL in sacks again, and it's not even fucking close. Props. Major props. Stick that stat up, your ass, and like it. TJ fucking Watt. About to break the sack record. Four sacks. Five tackles. Three tackles for a loss. Two passes defended. Five QB hits. And who knows how many holding calls. Alex Highsmith. What a fucking animal. He's going to be great. Seven tackles. Two sacks, three tackles for a loss, two QB hits. Like, come on now. Nine sacks. Like you're gonna let your rookie fucking guard or tackle what match up against TJ Watt and not give him a lot of help, maybe a tight end chip here and there? Like, that's what I'm saying. What in the actual fuck is going on, man? If he does not get defensive player of the year, the shit's rigged. That's all I gotta say. I've been saying a lot. That's all I gotta say. And then the Browns, Grant Delpit, 11 tackles. Jadavion Clowney got two sacks himself, six tackles, two sacks, two QB hits. Wait, wait, isn't there uh, the best pass rusher in the AFC North? He had no sacks. What the fuck? Miles Garrett had one tackle? Come on now. And then AJ Green, not the receiver, the defensive back with an interception for the Browns. Akello Witherspoon and Trey Norwood sacks for the or er, picks for the Steelers. Trey Norwood, boomer sooner. What a late round pick he's been. He's shown out, done his thing. Every time he gets called on, he does his thing. Allows Ben to come in, take the knee. What a cool moment. And Akello Witherspoon, man, he's played good. He's been a journeyman. I hope they keep him back. 14 tackles, three picks, nine passes defended. And he hasn't been playing until later in the season. He played for the Niners for multiple years. I like this guy. He's long. He's lanky. See, does it show his height on here? He's 6'2, 195. Out of Colorado, even better. Go buff. I like it. I like it. Statistically, the Steelers, I'm sure, weren't great. Yeah, 5 of 18 on third, 1 for 2 on fourth. The Browns, pretty much the same. 5 of 17, 1 for 3 on fourth. The Steelers out-yarded the Browns by 60. They were plus one in the turnover differential, 2-1, to one, and out-possessed the Browns by nine minutes. But Cleveland, man, what in the hell is going on? Who is making these calls? Clean the house. Figure it out. Cheers to Big Ben. Cheers to the Defensive Player of the Year. Cheers to these sick-ass color rush jerseys. I wish I could have been in Pittsburgh. I literally thought about getting a flight. I looked at how much a short, it was just a stupid amount of money for the flight. Short notice. i just come back from Montana. I'd have to left, take more time off work. I just, it, I got sick. Wasn't matching up, but goddamn, what a sight. Cheers. And it's Friday night. I'm putting this out Saturday morning. And we got some football tomorrow. I'm going to be shredding the slopes. But we got some football, decent football. I don't think they're great football games tomorrow, but we'll take it. You have the Broncos hosting the Chiefs. The Chiefs are 10.5 point favorite at home. Drew Locke and crew. 10.5 <sighs> a is a lot. In mile high. It's supposed to be 40 degrees. Probably nothing too Crazy. I'm going to take the Chiefs to cover. I, uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Chiefs to cover. The, the Broncos have a lot of guys in their back filled out. Maybe this is the chance Tyreek could warm up a little bit. But uh, the Chiefs should win easy. The 10.5 the, the is going to be close, but I like the Chiefs. The Cowboys go to Philly. This should have been a good game, but there's lots of people out, lots of people on COVID. We don't really even know who's playing. I picked the Cowboys in the week prior or early in the week, thinking that most of the people would be playing. Now I've switched to the Eagles. The Cowboys are four-point favorites on the road. I am taking the Eagles as the upset pick in Philly. But don't bet on this game. No one touched that game. Don't bet on it. Don't, don't think about it. I put my parlay on Twitter. Check it out, a six-game parlay. Pretty confident in it. No big deal. Win a couple Gs, you know. It is what it is. Bet the house on the Steelers, though. We'll get them in a minute. Bet the house on the Steelers. Um, the Browns host the Bengals, another game that's no Baker, no Burrow, no Mixon, no a lot of people. It's in Cleveland. I figure, you know, Keenum, squad, they'll do enough to get the job done. Vegas thinks as well. They're favored by six at home. I don't think they'll cover the six, but I think they went at home for Cleveland. At least the Browns get a consolation prize, I guess. Another not-so-fun game. Supposedly, Rodgers is starting. I wouldn't expect him to play very long. But the 2-13 and 13 Lions host the Packers. And the Packers are only three-and-a-half point favored. They probably know that, you know, they're not going to try too hard. I don't, I, you know, it, it's, it's hard to say. Spreads are tough this time of year. You know, it's week 18. We've never had a fucking week 18. But uh, I would assume the Packers cover the three-and-a-half. Then the, the two teams with coaches that are probably going to be fired. Kirk Cousins is back. The Vikings host the, the Bears. Kirk Cousins and the Vikings are favored by five and a half. Dalton's going to be starting. I am going to take the Vikings, but not to cover at home. I think it's going to be a field goal either way. The Giants. As much shit have I given them at the Browns? The fucking football Giants are hosting WFT. WFT is favored by seven on the road. I'm taking WFT, but I'm not taking them to cover. That's all we need to say about these teams right now. The Jaguars, two and 14 Jaguars hosting the Indianapolis Colts. Indy is favored by 15 on the road. I'm assuming Frank Reich and his crew crew, What's the game plan? Give the ball to Jonathan fucking Taylor until we have a lead and then sit some people. As a Steelers fan, again, Whatever we got to do, Trevor Lawrence, Shad Khan, everybody else, let's figure it out. I don't think it'll happen. I am taking the Colts, but I'm not taking them to cover 15 fucking points. Dude, it's so funny. Tyler Huntley, all the injuries, all the COVID, and Baltimore's favored at home by three and a half, like fucking just slap the Steelers across the face. That's all the motivation they need. I hope TJ Watt has more sacks than the point spread. And they shit down them. But this is a divisional game. It's going to be great. It is usually a field goal, point or two here or there. So I expect it to come down the wire. But I am taking the Steelers. And I would bet a lot of money on them. I would be very confident. I tried to bet a straight bet today, a couple hundred bucks, just to win me some extra cash. And they wouldn't let me. So let me see if I can now. Let's see what the money is here. Live bet check right now. Straight bet. NFL. Still not up there, probably because the Deontay Johnson news are adjusting. But Deontay Johnson's playing bet the house on the Steelers. Let's go now. Let's go. Big Ben's last show out. Hopefully, Deontay has like 188 yards, three touchdowns. I'm all for it. The 4-12 Texans hosting the Titans. The Titans are looking to lock up the one seed. They're favored by 10.5 on the road. The Texans have getting their shit together. The, the coaching's, you know... Getting their confidence into Davis Mills. He's been playing solid football. They gave head a contract. But uh, I'm going to go with the Titans. I'm not taking them to cover either. This is the game where I'm worried about my parlay. Talked about the Falcons earlier. They're competitive. They don't dick around. They're hosting the Saints as they're vying for playoffs. It's a must-win game. The Saints are favored by three and a half on the road. I'm taking the Saints. I'm not taking them to cover. The 10-6 Bills hosting the 4-10 Jets. The Bills are favored by 16 at home. Again, these spreads are crazy. I'm taking the Bills. I'm not taking them to cover. Huge, huge game in the afternoon. I have no fucking clue how this is going to go. Jimmy G supposedly playing. We're not 100% sure on that. Elijah Mitchell supposed to be playing. How healthy is he? He looked good last week. The Rams, all their studs. Are they going to show up? Well, the Rams are favored by four and a half at home, and again, a little parlay one. I'm a little worried about this. I think the Rams figure it out. If they don't figure it out, they're in a world of hurt. All of that shit. That, if you don't win this game, you slide in the playoffs. You're probably going to lose in the playoffs. You have no fucking picks. Von Miller's not getting younger. OBJ is not getting more confident. There's a you know, this is a big fucking game. For that reason, I assume the Rams rally the troops i assume they're fucking sleeping right now getting ready for game film in the morning and doing whatever they have to do to win this goddamn game but kyle shanahan is a stud he's got a lot of studs and they beat the rams last time let's see let's look at these stats what happened last time the fuck Where is the Rams? I'm looking at the Rams. That's why (laughs) too many wine, too much wine, I guess lightweight. So the Niners won 31 to 10 at home. They handed the ball off 44 times. They only ran for a 3.5 average. Most of that was Elijah Mitchell. They still had Darrell Henderson. Sonny Michelle was there, but just barely acquainted with the team. Cooper Cup went for 122. We're looking at Cooper Cup watch for the record. Does Stafford try to go to Cooper too much? Does that turn into a couple turnovers? Shit's getting interesting, man. Cam Akers is back. Do they try to run the ball more? Does he, you know, are they going to put him in a position to get a lot of carries? He could get injured again. It's going to be interesting. This is a game that I'm going to be fucking eyes glued I mean, let's look. In the morning or in the afternoon, we got Saints Falcons, Niners, Rams, Pats, Dolphins, Jets, Bills, Seahawks, Cardinals. Uh, Seahawks, Cardinals as well. But anyways, taking the Rams not to cover. The Dolphins hosting the Patriots. The Patriots favored by six and a half at on the road. I am taking the Patriots. They're, they need this win. They own the Dolphins. I'm not taking six and a half. That's a touchdown spread. I'm not doing it. Tua's gonna have a game. Gotta finish strong. Another little, you know, Russell Wilson looking good last week. The 11 and five Cardinals hosting the Seahawks. The Cardinals favored by five and a half. James Conner should be there. Chase Edmonds isn't playing. They're going to need a run. Can they only pass? No Hopkins. I'm going to take the Cardinals, but I'm not taking them to cover. It should be a field goal game either way. The first time these teams played... They beat the Seahawks by 10. James Conner had a day. Zach Ertz had a day. We'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a fun game. These are some big-ass games, man. Come on, now. And then the Buccaneers hosting the Panthers. I don't need to say a lot about this one. The Bucs are favored by eight at home. I'm not going to take them to cover just because I assume they sit some people, but very well could. Not very confident on that, but I am confident the Bucs will win. And then the Sunday night showdown in the fucking Death Star in the desert in Vegas. And the Raiders beat the Chargers last time in L.A. Whether that's home field, neutral field, Raiders home field. We don't know. So far for the Chargers is just there. It's just a stadium. Herbert had three touchdowns. Derek Carr had two touchdowns and a pick. Jacobs didn't do shit. Eckler ran all over the place. You got to give Jacobs the ball. Henry Ruggs had a day. He ain't there no more. He partied too much. Maybe, you know, a little play action, a little Zay Jones again. I'm taking the Chargers. I put them in my parlay. I'm rolling with it. The Chargers are favored by three. I'm going to take them to cover and get in the fucking playoffs. It's going to be fun. We got some games. So next week, we will talk about what my predictions were, what the actuals are. We'll start talking playoffs, a little wild card action. Shit is getting serious. I mean, we look at the standings. The Bills 10-6 and 6 are in the playoffs. Patriots 10-6 are in the playoffs. Dolphins 8-8 and 8 are not going to make the playoffs. They started rough. And obviously, Tua's injuries and all the injuries had something to do with it. But they're competitive. They have a chance. They have a lot of speedy receivers. They got a little Oklahoma action going on. They need some running game. Add a couple pieces of the offensive line. The division's going to be a motherfucker, though, with Josh Allen there. The Patriots getting better. The Jets, you know, you're a New York team. Good luck. You need so many things to go right for you. The Bengals, the class of the AFC North, everyone's going to have to catch them. For me, Lamar Jackson... Is here, a guy you got. You're gonna pay him the house. It's like Baker Mayfield, same thing. So the AFC North's all about quarterbacks. What's the next move? You have to have a quarterback to win. And now you got to compete against Joe fucking Burrow. You gotta you gotta compete against Home Alone grown up. He's all grown up now. He ain't Home Alone. He's smoking cigars and throwing Shamar Chase. Uh, the AFC South, the Colts and Titans, they're gonna be great. They have all the different things that you need to win. Solid quarterback play. Not great. Solid quarterback play. Run game defense. The Texans, who fucking knows? The Jaguars, who knows? Good luck. Figure it out. They, they have so many pieces. The Chiefs will be fine. They still got all their boys one more year. The Chargers only getting better. The Raiders, I'm not sure about. They get these young guys with injure, you know, with character issues. They're out there partying in Vegas. If I was 21, 19, 21, 22, millions of dollars in Vegas, yeah, I'd probably fuck around a little bit. The Broncos, I think they'll turn things around. We'll see what they do with their coaching. They have a lot of pieces. Their defense stepped up once they got rid of Von Miller. The NFC East, the Cowboys, they have on paper a championship roster. Can they get it done? The Eagles, I don't think Jalen Hurts is your guy. Do they keep him? I think so. Is that a championship team? I do not think so. Is it a 500 team? Absolutely. Good thing this year that they can get in with that. WFT and the Giants, same thing. So many things need to go right. So many things. They got Terry McLaren. Danny Dimes might be your guy. Next year should be the real make it or break it year. The Packers... You know, the only thing I want to know, does Rodgers win a Super Bowl? Do you stay in fucking Lambo? How do you leave? I like keep Devontae? You got to stay. The Vikings, ugh, they're like that almost team. We almost had it. Almost had it. I think they're going to go through a lot of changes. Zimmer will probably be gone. The Bears and Lions. Yeah, that division, that division could, could be completely different next year. You just got to see some action to really even give a guess. The Buccaneers, I think with their injuries, they'll probably catch up to them. The Saints, they're still searching for quarterbacks. The Falcons, the Panthers, there's just so many quarterback play. thing, you know, we're, we're shifting to a new era of quarterbacks. And the NFC West is yoked. I expect all three teams, Rams, Cardinals, Niners, to be better next year, to be contenders. And the Seahawks, we, we got to see what's going on with Russell, with Pete. That front office. We'll talk stat leaders next week. Lots of fucking football, all right? So let's talk a little bit of college football. Fucking Caleb Williams smokes Oregon. Says, I'm hitting the transfer portal. I might come back. Dude, if you're going to do it, like, sure, I get it. You want to look some money? You want to be prepared? Dude, it's fucking Oklahoma. Just just tell us that you're fucking transferring, not what if. Oklahoma's on the same page as me. Dylan Gabriel, yo, come over. The best guy in the portal, little lefty. He fucking slings the ball. Come on over. Hopefully some of the receivers stay. Everyone might be fucking gone. Mario Williams, fucking. All the best receivers. Who who even knows what, what's going on? But Gil- Dylan Gabriel can ball. I'm excited. But this is the the transfer portal makes no sense. So Bo Nix leaves. Now Zach Calzada goes to Auburn. Is Auburn better than where you were? What's the logical reasons for this? This shit makes no sense to me. Then Virginia Tech gets two transfer quarterbacks. They got Grant Wells from Marshall, Jason Brown from South Carolina. I'll I'll read this tweet. This literally sums it up perfectly. The transfer portal shit. Shit's going to get Crazy. It's like the NBA. College football is going to be the NBA. Where do I want to go? Who can I team up with? Darren Ravell said, Starting quarterback enters a transfer portal understandably with the Oklahoma coaching change, question mark. Coming soon? Stars of college programs entering the transfer portal routinely to explore how much they can get guaranteed on NIL deals going to different schools. It's coming. It's already here. I love it for the players. You're making your thing or doing your thing, but there is no loyalty to a program. And it's a bummer to see. It's like college basketball. Everyone's a blue blood, one and done at this point. Like, why would Bo Nix leave? Why would Zach Calzada leave just to go to Auburn one year? Like, is that, you know, you're just going to get fat NIL deals? Like, I don't know. Just fucking crazy. Um, i look up this guy's name. But for the Montana fucking Grizz, they're getting some action. So all these good FCS programs are moving up to the FBS. I've talked about this. I remember being on the the college radio station, University of Montana, talking to our athletic director at the time of why Montana chose not to go up. They said it was because of Montana State. They don't want to lose the rivalry. Well, all the good programs are gone up now. Next year, all of them will be up. It'll be Montana, Montana State, and a bunch of fucking jabronis. But because the transfer portal spicing things up, they're getting San Diego State transfer Lucas Johnson, who is also a quarterback at Georgia Tech, coming to Montana. It's going to be great. They got a UW wide receiver transfer. You know, he doesn't have a lot of experience, but he got recruited to UW. I watched that San Diego State football game. They're throwing at the same receiver, doing their thing. Hey, we can make some of that happen to Montana. Let's fucking go. We got to beat the cats. Hopefully they lose tomorrow. No offense, Montana. I don't really care. Beat them next year. Get some playoff momentum. Let's keep this fucking momentum going. And can we please leave the big sky? But huge news. That's awesome to see. I was hyped for that. Texas quarterback Casey Thompson. He says, deuces. I'm out. He's going to Nebraska. Again. Is he going to lose his job next year? Did they tell him that? Because this doesn't make a lot of sense uh, to, you know, to me. But let's talk natties. We got natties. Tomorrow morning, Montana fucking state Bobcats are f- going to play North Dakota State. Oh, and by the way, North Dakota State is going for their ninth championship in 11 years. What in the actual hell? They They moved up from D3 to FCS. Now they're going to FBS. Both these teams have the number one and two defense, respectively. They got some dogs. And both have young quarterbacks. North Dakota State's quarterback came in late. Montana State's got Tommy Malo. Mellet, Malo, I don't know. But he's been balling. After the UTSA slow start, he's been balling. That offense has looked better than it ever had. McKenna, who had transferred, said, fuck Bozeman. They're like, okay, cool, this is better. You know, it's a a very promising time for Los Angeles and all their, their, you know, transplants. Wink, wink. Uh, But the football team is Montana. You got to respect that. North Dakota State historically has smoked Bozeman in their championship runs. But it's all going to be good defense, young quarterback play. Which quarterback isn't forced to do too much and doesn't turn the the ball over? I think this is a couple-score game. I am going with North Dakota State. How do you not pick against them? When I had done the FCS bracket, I had North Dakota State against San Diego State. I ended up being Montana State. You know, I ended up picking an upset and upset was in there. But I would assume they, they, they roll with it. Enough said. Then we got the big show on Monday. The SEC Championship Part 2. Kirby Smart taking on El Capitan Nick Saban. Nick Saban's up 1-0. Everyone wants to go Bama. I'm going Georgia. They just have the more talented team. You take the quarterback and the coach, you're going Bama. But that defensive front, they got to figure out a different game plan. Saban executed it perfectly the first time. Cool. We're going to find your blitz. We're going to know how to pick them up. And we're going to put our fast-ass receivers in open space. And we're going to get chunk games. And it worked. They can't do that again. So now what do you do? I don't know. Can they just let Bryce try to sling it? I'm not very confident they can. And for that reason, I think they'll run the ball better. I think they'll defend better. And they're not going to let that outside fucking bubble screen shit get the job done. So I'm going with Georgia. This is going to be a fun game. You know, as much as I hate the SEC and I hate that it's two SEC teams, not to disrespect Michigan and Cincinnati, these are clearly the two best teams. Clearly the two best teams. There's a lot of connections between these teams. Amazing storylines. We could go on storylines all day. I'm excited. I am. You know, fuck the SEC. But I'm excited. I'm excited. It's going to be a lot better than the FCS championship, I'm assuming. But Bozeman's been proving me wrong all year. Except when the Grizz whipped that ass. They whipped that ass. No, I'm just kidding. They've won once and I don't know. Seems like since I've been in college, they finally beat the Cats. But it feels good. It feels good. Cheers to that. All right, let's get moving here. I feel like I've been here forever. Having a good time, though. You know, it's Friday night. Back-to-back podcast. have a crazy week. Lots of shit going on. But at the end of the day, I'm talking sports. I'm always talking sports. I live by myself now. I just get to speak to the people. And again, you guys like it? Let me know. Hit me up. You know, you can message me, DMs, whatever it is. You want me to talk about stuff, some content. I'm here for it. Let's do this thing. We got a little bit of fighting news before the fight card next weekend. No, no cards to recap. But we have Irene Aldana versus Aspen Ladd. This was a fight I said that they should book. They booked it. I'm excited. A banger for sure. We got Ryan Span versus Jan Kutalaba. That's going to be a fucking fight. Another fun fight. The smaller weight class. Sadiq Yusuf versus Alex Caceres. This was a fight I said they should book. They booked it. Let's go. We have Drew Dober fighting Ricky Glenn. Drew Dober's been taking some L's. He needs to get back in the winning column. It's going to be a fun fight. A vet versus younger fighter here. We have Nazrat. H- I can't say his last name. Hakparist versus Bobby the King Green. That's going to be fun. Bobby Green's been looking good. And then these next few. We, I did a show yesterday and it's like, I spoke the shit out there. We talked about it. it you know, it became a thing. Rafa, Rafael Faziv is taking on Rafael Dos Anos. What a fun fight that's going to be. I mean, Fazeev fighting a little bit younger of a fighter, probably be more electric, but Dos Anos has been a banger his whole career. Does he have enough left? That's what we're going to find out. I talked about Burns, Chemaev, the fight I want to see in 2022, supposedly they have verbally agreed nothing in action yet. But if that happens, we're going to learn all we need to know about Kamzat Chemaev. And then the heavyweights, I was watching, um, Ariel Hawani on his MMA hour yesterday tied to a said, I'd love to fight Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis says, I want to fight a new fighter. Boom match made. What a fucking banger that will be. We'll either have a shoey or fucking, Uh, Derek Lewis taking his shorts off, throwing cups to the fans. Something's going down, and it's going down in Houston. Derek Lewis's hood. Not exciting news for the UFC. They just booked officially the trilogy with Max Holloway and Volkanovsky. Well, Max Holloway re-aggravates his injury that had him out for a while. So now the fight's off. You know, maybe it could happen. I would assume Volkanovsky has a fight in the meantime. So who do they give him? To me, no one in the class really makes sense, honestly. Give him Triple C. Give him that little shit-talking motherfucker because what he says he'll do, he will do. This would be a great fight. That's the fight to see. They're saying the Korean Zombie is a favorite. I love the Korean Zombie. He's electric. His fights are amazing. His fight against Yair Rodriguez is one of my favorites all time. But I'd rather see Suhudo. I hope that happens. But the Korean Zombie will probably be next. It's a good consolation. But it's not the same as a trilogy fight. And then a little bit of boxing headlines. Floyd Mayweather Jr. is back. He's putting up a show. We just don't know who it's against. He's going to have an exhibition match February 20th. On a hotel hel- helipad in fucking Dubai. So this is some video game shit. That's what he does, TMT all day long. Can't wait. And then the probably the biggest fight that you could make in boxing right now for me, Anthony Joshua, the uh, rematch versus Alexander Usyk. Can't wait for that. Alexander took the first one. He looks like a fucking machine. Can't wait to see what happens for the rematch. And then again, UFC. We'll talk, uh, uh, you know, deep dive into the card next week. The first one back in the new year after multiple weeks off. I'm losing my mind. January 15th, Giga Chikadze versus Calvin Cater. And the NBA. The Lakers trade Rajan Rondo to the Cavaliers after Ricky Rubio was sadly out for the year. Great acquisition by them. It makes complete sense. Is he going to be able to play at the level of Rubio? I don't think so. But that Cavaliers team is fun to watch. Kevin Love's back. six man of the year potential. Can't wait to start breaking down some NBA teams. Clay Thompson, I said he'd be back before Christmas, a little late, but they're expecting him to be back Sunday. For the rest of the West, watch the fuck out. Josh Giddy for the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Australian rookie, surpasses LaMelo Ball for the youngest player to get a triple double. Some golf claps for Josh Giddy. Isaac Okoro to miss three weeks with a sprained elbow. That's no bueno. Zion's in, uh, Zion Williamson is in Portland. He's rehabbing. They're saying he's still four to six weeks away at this point. I don't assume he plays. Maybe they give him some garbage minutes. I don't know, but if he doesn't, we're going to have to have a thing on the podcast, all the things that they gave up for him. And it's just not quite equaling out brutal, brutal loss. I was there in Vegas for my first UFC event, John Jones International Fight Week, my birthday weekend. Shout out Jordan Canada for coming with me. But we were able to watch Zion Williamson in Summer League. And anyone who was anyone was there. Everyone was so excited. I just hope it works out for him. I never thought it would be as high as the people thought he could be. But, you know, I like a comeback. Rudy Gobert and the Jazz brutalized by COVID. They lost to the Raptors tonight. I saw that. It looks like the bug, once someone on your team gets it, the whole team gets it. (coughs) Still a little scratchy, little stuffed nose. I'm almost out of it. Take your vitamins, hit the sauna, get your workouts in. All right, so since last Thursday, which I would have done last week's episode cut off by... We had some hoops. Starting the new year, we had the 76ers beating the Nets in Brooklyn, 110-102. Joel Embiid again, broken record. He hooping. He coming back and hooping, 34-7. and James Harden, 33-14-10, a little triple-double action. Let's look. Joel Embiid, let's see. So 32 points. Oh, no, that's 32 minutes. 34 points. He was 9 for 12 from the free throw line, 3 of 5 from 3. So he's doing a little bit everywhere. And James Harden, you know, he, he went through some struggles. He wasn't getting to the foul line. This time he went to the free throw line eight, for 18 shots. So he, he got 14 of his 33 from the free throw. But James Harden getting some momentum. You got uh, Joel Embiid hooping. Moving into Friday, New Year's Eve. The Celtics beat the Suns at home. Jalen Smith, 19 and 17 in the defeat. Robert Williams leading the way for Boston, 10, 11, and 10. A little triple-double for the Time Wizard, 10, 11, and 10. 10 assists for the big man. All right. Um, New Year's Eve, anything else? No. Moving into 2022. Uh, the Bulls beat the Wizards by one on the road. Zach Levine, 35-5. and Bradley Bill, 27, 2, and 17. He hooping, hooping. He hasn't been very efficient this year, though. I'm just guessing this wasn't efficient. I look at every box score. I know this shit. So let's see. 27 points, 20 shots, 0 for 4 from 3. You know, they're winning. They're They're almost, you know, there. They've been high up in the rankings. You got to be more efficient from your top dog. The Clippers beat the Nets on the road. The Nets just losing random games all of a sudden. Durant played. Harden played. And this is a PG-less Clipper team. They were led by Eric Bledsoe of all fucking people. And he had the fish game and he was plus 16. Hell must be freezing over. 27 points on 12 shots. 8 of 12. Bravo, Mr. Eric Bledsoe. And the Nets were led by Harden again, 34, 10 and, or 34 12, and 13. I auto, I missed my first draft pick in fantasy. I got auto-drafted Harden. I'm pissed about it. You'd think with him and what John Morant is doing, my team would be decent, but we, we're trash. COVID's just ruining my life. I'm just kidding. And then a huge game for me on New Year's. I was all excited for it. The Jazz hosting the Warriors. No Draymond Green. The Jazz are basically healthy. And they didn't get the job done. The Warriors were led by Steph Curry. Of course, 28.6 rebounds, 9 assists. For the Jazz, they had 4 guys with 20 points. Bogdanovich, Rudy, 20 and 19. Donovan Mitchell, 20 points on 19 shots. And Jordan Clarkson with 20 points off the bench. Still not enough. I was going to tweet too. I was like, you guys believe in the Jazz as contenders yet? Then they lost the game. Now I'm wondering, are they contenders? You know, they're going to. That's without Draymond. That's without Clay. What can they do to level up? There was no Hassan Whiteside, but that's just not a good enough excuse. Top of the West is going to be fun. Moving into the second on Sunday, 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 Sunday. Nothing noteworthy. Moving into Monday, the Wizards beating the Hornets by three at home. Miles Bridges, twenty-three and fourteen. Kyle Kuzma must enjoy leaving the Lakers because he's having a little hot run right now. He had 36 fucking points on 26 shots. He was plus five. He had 14 rebounds, six assists. Bradley Bill, 35 points, 11 for 22, eight assists, seven rebounds. Solid game. The Hornets don't know how to play defense. But still, Kuzma, I see you, my man. The Grizzlies, I had bet uh, I get free play when I lose on my bets. I bet it on the Grizzlies as underdogs. They beat the Nets at home. The Nets losing three in a row. John Morant, 36, 6 and 8. Kevin Durant, 26 and 6 in defeat. The Mavericks beating the Nuggets in Dallas. Nikola Jokic, 27 and 16 on the loss. Luka Doncic back, 21, 8 and 15. The Warriors beat the Heat. Caleb Martin led the way as they were without Jimmy Buckets. They were at, uh, nope, they had Buckets and Kyle Lowry. They were pretty much a healthy team, so shout out to the Warriors. They're looking solid. Uh, but Caleb Martin at 19-9. Jordan Poole with 32-2-5. and five. Is there no Steph in this game? No, he was there. Jordan Poole just snapping off the bench. He had 26 minutes, 32 points, 5-9 of nine from 3, 12-17 for 17 from the field. The Blazers beating the Hawks in Portland. Trey Young, ice Trey, snapped for 56 and this guy's in my fantasy too how am i not winning Anthony for simons 43 points he said god took over his body some shit i saw a quote he was nine of 16 from three 13 for 21 from the floor seven assists they still lost or they won trey young's 56 wasn't enough and this was an efficient line i've been knocking him for efficiency he was plus 10 56 and 14 14 assists he was 17 to 26 from the field and 7 from 12 from 3. And they still lost. You know, they're, he's going to like having John Collins back, who's also on my fantasy team. He's going to like having him back. Tuesday. What do we have on Tuesday? Nothing noteworthy. Lopsided games. Wednesday. The Celtics losing to the Spurs at home. They're 18 and 20 at the time. The Spurs 15 and 22. DeJounte Murray having a stellar season 22, nine and 12 Jalen Brown, 30 and six in defeat the Mavericks beat the Warriors at home. This must've been the game without Steph. Nope. Steph was there 14 points on 24 shots. He was cold. Uh, but Luka Luka Doncic at 26, seven and eight Gary Payton, the second having a a decent season, 11 and 11 off the bench. The Raptors beat the bucks on the road. Pascal Siakam, thirty-three, five and six. They're right above five hundred. The Bucks go to twenty-five and fifteen, led by Chris Middleton. He's back, twenty-five and six. <clears throat> and we have yesterday, Thursday, the Knicks with the crazy-ass buzzer beater against the Celtics. RJ Barrett throws up a hope off the glass and in. Fournier, man, forty-one and eight. <clears throat> he must have beef with the Celtics. Jason Tatum, 36-6-9 in defeat. The Suns smoking the Clippers at home. Cameron Johnson, 24-7. and seven. Marcus Morris, 26-8. For as great as the Suns have been with CP3, how about their youth? Cameron Johnson, Mikel Bridges, Jalen Smith. These guys are making game-changing additions to the squad. And as a Jazz fan, I'm kind of jealous. Our young bucks aren't doing the same. And then today, Friday, we'll talk about it. It's fucking 8.30. The Raptors beat the Jazz with nobody. The Jazz played competitively. The Bulls beat the Wizards by eight at home. Nikola Vucevic, 16, 14, and 7. Bradley Bill, 26, 3, and 6. The Bucks beat the Nets on the road. The Nets have been dropping, man. Or at home, so no uh, Kyrie. Giannis had 31-7-9, KD 29-9-7. That would have been fun. little playoff reminiscence when I lost a lot of money betting on the Nets last year. The Sixers beating the Spurs at home. Joel and Bede 31-12. DeJounte consistent 27-5-9. And, and the Lakers smoking the Hawks right now in the third quarter. Malik Monks already got 27 points. I knew he'd be a game changer if they gave him an opportunity. 27.7 of eight from three. Sheesh. Lakers are 20 and 19, right at 500. Speaking of their record, let's look at the standings in the East. The bulls are sneaking up. The nets dropping goes bulls, nets, bucks, Miami still in fourth, even though they've had so many issues, COVID injuries, yada, yada. The Sixers five, the Cavs still in there at six Raptors seven, Hornets 8, Wizards 9, Celtics 10. Hawks, Pacers, Celtics right on the outside. This is more so what I would expect. I would expect the Bulls to drop Nets and Bucks and Heat to catch up. In the West, it's it's more so makes sense. Suns, Warriors, Jazz, all two games within each other. The Grizzlies. Man, without Dylan Brooks for a while, without Jaw for a while, they're playing some fucking ball. I'm already calling it next week. I'm going to... Do a breakdown in the Grizz and the Cavs because they're just fucking mesmerizing to me. You have the Mavs at five, the Lakers at six, Nuggets seven, Clippers eight, Timberwolves nine, Spurs ten. Damn. First round, Jazz-Lakers at this point. Jazz better win some games. I ain't trying to play the Lakers first round. But hey, we're going to really start breaking down some, some basketball in the NBA College football done after next episode. NFL winding down. It's hoops season. Speaking of hoops, we got some college basketball. Nothing major in the headlines. Starting from last episode in New Year's, we had Baylor beating Iowa State on the road. They win by five. Jeremy Soshan, 12.7 rebounds. Tristan Anurana, 23-8 for Iowa State. Iowa State goes to 12-1, and Baylor 13-0. I figured after the major losses Baylor had that this team couldn't be as good as people were saying. They don't have anyone that does crazy things on the box score, but they usually have seven players right in double digits, and they're fucking solid, man. It's going to be interesting to see how their season plays out. Villanova beats Seton Hall by seven or six. Brandon Slater, 17-7. and seven. Bryce Aiken, 22 points, two assists, and two steals in the defeat. On Sunday, we didn't have anything noteworthy. Arizona USC postponed. Wisconsin upsetting Purdue on the road. Johnny Davis just said, you know what? I'm about to have a night. Johnny Davis, 37 points, two for five from three. 14 rebounds. You don't see a lot of box scores like that in college. Edie for, uh, Purdue off the bench, 24 and 10. I forget how tall this kid is. Zach Edie, seven, four fucking huge. Uh, Jaden Ivy, 14 points in the loss for Purdue. Wisconsin's nasty. That's why i have them underrated. They're a team that's, that could sneak around, mess around and beat some people in the bracket. Baylor beats Oklahoma by 10 on Tuesday. Akinjo, James Akinjo at Baylor, 27-4-5. LSU beats Kentucky at home by 5. Tari Eason for LSU, 13-6. Jacob Toppin for Kentucky, 14-8 in defeat. Providence gets shocked by Marquette, little Big East action. Ed Crosswell, 11-7 for Providence. Justin Lewis, 23-11 for Marquette. Going into Wednesday, Iowa State gets redemption. They beat a top 25-ranked Texas Tech team by four. Isaiah Brockington for Iowa State, 14-9. Clarence Nottelny for Texas Tech, nine points to lead the way. Just because I'm a Nova fan, you know, no big deal. They smoked Creighton. Creighton beat them first matchup, so it was big. And Justin Moore snapped 22-4. Loved to see it. Yesterday, Ohio State gets shocked by Indiana. Malachi Branham, 13 points on the loss. Trace Jackson, 27-12 and 12 for Indiana in the victory. EJ Liddell, only 11 points on 12 shots. Tough break for the Buckeyes as they lose by 16 and then Wisconsin won again against Iowa. Johnny Davis stays hot 26, nine and five. See if he was efficient. Efficiency in college basketball is not the same. Like, you know, 26 points, 18 shots, three of seven for three. That's pretty solid. And then today, was there anything? Xavier beats Butler. Xavier is 22. Adam Kunkel, 25 points. Aaron Thompson, 20 points in the loss. When we look at the rankings, Baylor one, Duke two, Purdue three, Gonzaga four, UCLA five. When was the last fucking time these Gonzaga and UCLA played? Gonzaga hasn't played. So give me the date. No, it's not. Hmm. I don't know. It seems like Gonzaga hasn't played for a long damn time or UCLA. Like all these postponed games, so they got a lot of action to make up for. I'm not sure how they're going to adjust the schedules for that. But I got a little quick underrated, overrated, as I always do. That's a lot. It's going to change from the episode last week or yesterday. I do still think Arizona, Auburn, USC, Colorado State, and Houston overrated. Arizona or USC is ranked seven. Their best win is against Pac-12 teams, Washington State and Utah. They haven't played anybody yet. Oklahoma State got canceled. Arizona State and Arizona postponed. They beat Cal. Stanford postponed. They play on the 11th against Stanford all through the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has some decent teams, so we'll see how they can fare. Arizona, another Pac-12 team. Their best win is against Michigan, who was fourth at the time. But obviously, it slipped a lot. They beat Illinois. I think we already dove into this. But for me, was it with Coburn or without? It was with Coburn. Lots of postponements and cancellations. They lost to Tennessee. They're a solid team. I think they're overrated because they're not eight. Maybe like 18-20. That's where I'm coming from there. Auburn is nine they're 12 and one they moved up two spots in the latest uh rankings they've lost to yukon that was a crazy game their best win is against lsu who i think is overrated again are are they not deserving of the top 25 no they probably are but number the top 10 like there's no way and houston they're ranked 12 they're 12 and 2 on the year they've lost to wisconsin they've lost to alabama they don't have a lot of quality wins So this is why I think these teams are overrated. Houston, you know, I don't know a ton about them, but they they potentially could be a non-25 team. And Colorado State, I love that you're there, honestly. They're 10-0, but they have not beat anybody. St. Mary's, Mississippi State, Northern Colorado, just a Creighton, decent win, I guess. But uh, we got to see what they can actually do, you know, get some stiffer competition. I don't think they'll be in the 25. That's why I think they're overrated. And these underrated teams specifically, I think they're going to move up from where they are today. Villanova. Villanova's 9-4. and four. Obviously, I'm a Nova fan. There is some biasy, But they've lost to UCLA, who was ranked 2 at the time. Was in the championship last year. Lost to Purdue. Very solid team. Lost to Baylor. Very solid team. Lost to Creighton. You know, that's iffy. I think they'll be within the top 10 by the end of the year. I think they, they clean out the Big East. UConn. I think they're a solid Big East team as well. They're right outside the top 25. I think they'll be probably around 20 by the end of the year. Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 23. They're up one. I think they'll probably be right around 15-ish. And then Illinois, they're right outside the top 25. I think Coburn himself will will them into the top 25. And we'll, we'll just talk about this now because we're talking college basketball. Jay Wright, 500 fucking wins. I've read his book. What a fucking man he is. What a coach he is. What a leader he is. He has literally made Villanova a blue blood program out of nowhere. Tip of the cap. Cheers to you, Mr. J. Wright. It's a big accomplishment. Bring the suits back, baby. Come on, let's look dapper here. Uh, we're going to talk Supercross. We got Supercross tomorrow. I can't wait. And we got some changes, man. Cooper Webb the the returning champion I'm not a huge fan but he ended up leaving his Baker factory and he's doing his own facility now wants to do his own training so he's kind of got a chip on his shoulder because a lot of people are saying ah that's crazy you know he's a champion he wants to do it his way he is kind of cocky I hope it you know catches up to him uh but this is going to be interesting he said he was close to being done he wasn't enjoying it you know he went through some injuries um, but left, you know, he's like Brady Belichick. That's really what's going on. So that's a huge storyline. Um, Eli Tomac leaves Kawasaki. He's won multiple championships there. He feel like he's learned as much as he can. He now joins Yamaha who has like just a lot of competition, a lot of young guns. And he feels like that will help keep him motivated and keep him going to be the best version of himself. They have guys like Dylan Ferrandez in the 450, Colt Nichols, Justin Cooper, and Christian Quad in the 250. Did I just say Christian Quad? Christian, Craig, and Squad in the 250s. And they're all solid. So it's going to be interesting to see how he shows out there. Um, I was watching this preseason trailer, and they were talking about, it's not like Yamaha's going to be like, oh, it's Eli Tomac. It's going to be like, can you still keep up, old, you know, young bulls, old bull?" For Honda, obviously we know my guy Roxon. He's been battling injuries. He looked really good last year, had his moments, but they got Chase Sexton, this young stud who could fucking fly. If he could put things together, he could throw a wrench in the championship. You have Adam Cicerullo, who's had a really good career. He's been battling injuries, had some mentality issues. Um, you know, he he's going to be a guy that could win, win some a lot of races, be right up there within the standings. Marvin Muscan with KTM being healthy and back. Aaron Plessinger joining KTM, he's a stud. He's just this wild, you know, redneck, very likable guy. Um, he's also joining Webb's ex coach and factory with the Bakery Factory with Malcolm Stewart and their training program. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. And Malcolm Stewart's joining Husqvarna, so he he is now side with them. So he gets to show out as Husqvarna. Um, doesn't have as many top, top level names anymore as Justin, or yeah, Justin Anderson has left to Kawasaki. So lots of different guys, lots of different race teams. It's going to be a blast. Uh, Zach, Zach Osborne also announced his retirement after 16 years. What a career he had riding for Husqvarna, I think majority of that time, but I'm fired up, man. They're back in stadiums with people. They're not running in just a few different places with no fans. I can't wait for the Seattle show. Hopefully it's not raining so we could get the full effect. A lot of the times it rains and they can't hit their doubles and triples the way that they normally would. But I'm fired up for Supercross. I want to talk about Supercross. I mark my chapters here for the YouTube viewers. So if you don't want to hear Supercross, you can pick and choose. Um, But I I love Supercross. I would love to get more people into Supercross. You know, these are the best... To athletes in the world at their sport. This is all around the world. And it, just the competitiveness, the seriousness that goes through, uh, you know, I think it's 16 races in 17 weeks or something like that. It's top fledged talent. It's really cool to see, you know, some of my friends in Montana are super into it. It got me into it. And I just, I think it, there should be more fans. Every time I bring a f- friend to Supercross in person, they fucking love it. I like to go to the outdoor shows as well. But Supercross is creme de la creme. It's awesome. It's fun. Can't wait. And then wrapping up the show, MLB loses Ken Rosenthal. You know, he was saying some things about the commissioner. Apparently they didn't like it. They dumped him. And also, The Athletic gets purchased by the New York Times. I'm a huge proponent of The Athletic. I thought it was cool that they were able to pay these writers what they were after the the newspapers, you know, fell out. Now they're purchased by the New York Times. I just hope it stays the same. The athletics, probably one of my favorite things you get real sports, people getting to talk about their teams that they cover. Um, you know, if I was a writer, I would envision myself in a role like that. So hopefully, you know, that's not something that just turns into New York's time version, corporate blah, blah, just for a money grab. Hopefully they keep the athletic like it is. Um, but yeah, bummer for the MLB and Ken Rosenthal, uh, you know, interested to see what he does next but that's it, man. 61, 62, back to back. We're back on a regular schedule. I am going to start putting out my trailer and, um, business episodes, 10 and 11 coming out. Great episodes. If you're just a sports viewer, I highly recommend checking out the business. And if you're a business viewer tuning in, I highly recommend checking out my sports. Give me some feedback. We're going to grow 2022. We out here. See you guys next week. Big Ben. Let's go.